Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. I'm going to admit something to our audience. Mm-hmm. I have, like, terrible senioritis this week, because we're moving offices. Uh, so this is, we're going to do, we're doing the Vergecast in our current Vox Media office today, and then the new podcast rooms, the new office, we're not going to be ready next week, so we have one more to do in this office. But then after that, it's like the lap of luxury. So next week is like when you think you're gone forever, but you have to bring back your library books. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> um, but this is the second to last broadcast in our office here. I'm just like feeling wild. Hmm. Oh, senior prank then. What's your senior prank going to be for the office? I can't. <laughs> the principal's listening. <laughs> uh, my Hi, I'm Dieter Bone. Hi, Dieter's here. Megan's here. The principal. Hi. Yeah, Dieter's the principal. One hundred percent the principal. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is Rochecast. Dieter's here. Hi, Megan. Hi, Neil. It's good How's to have going? you back. Yeah, I'm so excited to be back. Paul Miller's here. Hello. A little bit later, we're gonna have Liz uh, Liz Zapata come on and talk talk some science with us. But it's for us now. But yeah, yeah, senior prank. So my high school classic classic prank. You can also tell that I grew up like in Wisconsin. The the legendary prank of my high school was they let loose three chickens. Oh. And they numbered them one, two, and four. Oh, yeah. So we did a giant dick on the uh, football field. <laughs> a different kind of prank. <laughs> <laughs> Drew a big old dick on the football field. That was our... Labeling, labeling them one, two, and four is genius. Yeah, it's like a classic, classic. Midwestern... I don't get it. You, you label the So that when you catch them, they're looking for three. Uh, the three doesn't exist. I get it. Yeah. Dieter, do you have any, any good pranks? Uh, I prefer not to speak of or remember my high school years, uh, and I'm mad at you for bringing it up. Wow. Wow. Ooh, touchy. Rough. There it is. Ate <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of lunch in the bathroom by myself. Oh, wow, that got dark. God. <laughs> I'm just saying. Bathroom lunch? That's kind of gross, though. Ooh, just Did you like, wash your hands? Go outside and smoke like a normal loner teeter. <laughs> <laughs> Paul? Yeah? Any pranks? I My finest moment was I snuck out. Of a cl- of a window of a classroom while it was happening to play frisbee. <laughs> it's like the most innocent <laughs> Paul prank, and you're like, "Oh, the field has a huge dong on it." Oh, my dreams are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's start with some tech news. Also, uh, this show is sponsored. But let's just be honest, a cut-rate vodka. Oh. <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time on. Ooh. But the marketing is genius. It's called mm-hmm. Scissor Vodka. We're going to talk about a little phone that inspired this vodka later on the show. But cut through the night, Paul. Snip, snip. (laughs) No. (laughs) God damn it. I'm telling you, man, this show is just going to be pure senioritis the whole time. I want to start with the most important news of the entire week. Look, there's a new president. He's doing a bunch of stuff. World's changing. Doesn't matter. This is by far the most important news of the week. You can now wake the Amazon Echo by saying the word computer to it. I love that. I'm so happy. It's literally all I want. Dieter, did you change it? No, not yet. I'm uh, I'm I'm currently debating whether I'm a Google Home home or an Alexa home, and uh, I've got uh, more Google Homes around than Alexas. I have both, which is just the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's not um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I changed mine. Miriam Nielsen, one of our video editors, who's actually been on the show before, uh, told me she changed it so fast, and now she can't or- stop ordering ordering it to do things just because she can yell the word computer. This is one of my most... I know, Dieter, you had like... There's like a Star Trek thing in the world, right? Yeah. Whatever. Wait, 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 wait. You're whatevering. The Star Trek thing is the thing. It's the reason you say computer to it is because of Star Trek. 
Like, where do you think it comes from? I disagree. Uh, where it comes from for me is like a deep arrogance that all computers should answer to me whenever I wish. <laughs> and that Which I just, comes from Star Trek. Fair. You, it's, 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 part, it's like part of our like zeitgeist. It's, it's part of our genetic memory now. From now on, <laughs> we all know that saying computer makes the room talk to you. And we all know that you should be able to walk up to a box and say, tea Earl Grey hot, and then tea appears. This is my favorite thing, and I don't know if there's a term for it, but sci-fi depicts this future. And then we make the future, not because that future was inevitable, but because it was depicted in the sci-fi yeah. that we watched. Like electronic cars will have like this whirring sound. Yeah. Because it turns out you need a sound for a car so that like blind people don't like walk out on the street and get hit by the car. Yeah. So, But they made it sound like a whirring sound, which was our theoretical... Like, like the Jetsons. Yeah, it's like a sound that some <laughs> sound effects artist made just so it would... <laughs> So it would sound futuristic. (laughs) And now our cars actually sound like that because of the sci-fi. Yeah. So the other thing about the the Star Trek thing here is um, having a bunch of different voice assistants around me made me realize that the most unrealistic sci-fi part of Star Trek, it isn't trilithium crystals, it isn't warp drive, it isn't the transporter. It's literally the idea that everybody has a communicator badge on them, and then when they hit it, the right thing listens to them, and then the right (laughs) area of the the ship answers them. Yeah. Because they never get it right. Do your Google Homes not get it right? Wasn't that a big Google promise? They don't. Like, it's supposed to, like, they all listen and wake up, and then only the right one responds. But I would say, I don't know, like, like... Oh man, this is the worst. I'll, I'll, you can't make reminders on Google Home, but you can on everything else, like on the watch or on the phone. So I'll like want to make a reminder and then I'll say, say it to my watch, but the Google Home is also listening. (laughs) And at the same time that the watch says, I'm making your reminder, the home says, sorry, I'm not allowed to make reminders. Aww. It's, it's like, like you have two thing. kids and one's dumber than the other. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not allowed to go inside. <laughs> I'm going to have lunch in the bathroom. Um, Sorry. Computer. Deep, deep. Wow. Buy me a... <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I had it's Alexa a buy me a... This is such a yuppie story. Can everyone okay, forgive me okay. for how yuppie this story is? Mm-hmm. Preparing. Mentally preparing. It's really bad. Okay. So, like, we were... I don't even like saying it. <laughs> you, you were shopping at Banana Republic. <laughs> yes, I was buying khakis. <laughs> no, no. Uh, my wife and I are drinking some wine. Uh-huh. Sure. And my wife remarked to me that we should have a decanter for our wine. Because the wine needed time to like, it's totally legit. It, it doesn't help when you're like, and she then she remarked to me like, you gotta like coach this. <laughs> so look, this fine piece that I'm with was like, bro, we gotta get a decanter. Yo, we need a decanter. We gotta get a decanter. <laughs> I don't know. And I was like, sure, Alexa, buy us a decanter. And she was like, sure, the highest rateest one. It costs twelve dollars. Do you want it? I was like, yes. Becky's like horrified. She's like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> She she bought us garbage, and I looked, and it's absolute the worst. It's like an old man's crystal vase <laughs> for scotch. Like, a, it's the wrong thing. B, it just implies that I have like, I have bad ideas about like foreign policy. <laughs> you know, sorry, like an old Englishman who's like, hmm, these Italians shouldn't come to my country. <laughs> like that's what it looked like. I don't no. know how you get that from a decanter, but... Your senioritis is awful. We've spent like 20 just, minutes on a, a single word. All right, all right, all right. It's fine. That's right. Megan, uh, here, I have on the on the sheet that I want you to talk about Resident Evil 7. 
Uh, yeah, as you know, there's a new Resident Evil. Is it number seven? It is number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, well, wait, have you ever played? This is an important question. Have you ever played a Resident Evil game? Yes, one. But you played I don't know the if first I played one. one. I think I played four. Well, that's the only, that's not the only good one, but it yeah. is the good one. Right. Um, yeah, there's new uh, Resident Evil, and it sure is good. Yeah, basically, this one is kind of like a return to like horror form because mm-hmm. the last couple ones have been very action heavy. Like even four, which I think is the best one in the series, is very. It's like a really cheesy action film, and like the main character has like a lot of like really good one-liners that are bad. Like yeah. at one point, he, he does a lot of like "No thanks, bro," and like. It's just not great. Like when I was talking to my wife about decanters. Exactly. He's like, no, decanter for me, <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> it's a weird game. Uh, no, this one is great, though, just because like it's very it's from a first person view, which is like yeah. a new big deal for the series. Um, it takes you back to an actual uh, residence, which is chill for the title. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does gonna, the whole thing take place inside the residence? M- mostly, pretty much, primarily. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> to put that very succinctly. Well, um, so like my favorite my favorite game on the GameCube was Eternal Darkness, which also was like a horror game set in a single. Oh my God. Stop everything. You're, go play Eternal Darkness. It's great. Well, okay. So the thing I like about it is that I like horror films or games or whatever that take like a setting like as intimate as like the home and they just scale everything down, right? So it's yeah. not like you have the entire world to be terrified. It's like, you know, what's in that bathroom? I don't know, but it's really creeping me out. And I really appreciate it's that. Me it's me eating lunch. <laughs> it's <laughs> He's like, I'm chopped. <laughs> this is the most terrifying of all options. <laughs> It's the one that indicates he has nothing left to lose. <laughs> oh god, not chopped! You didn't try. Uh, but no, it's it's good because like if if you ever like played like PT for example, which is that old, <laughs> I guess it's not old that old. Um, it was that Konami game that was supposed to be Silent Hills that they canned, and it was a big deal with. Co- I don't know how much you guys know about video games. I'm just I watched like, the playthrough. Is that the one where it's just that loose about video games? Where you like you're in a hallway and then you get to the end and then you like finally figure out how to get through and then you're back in it just loops well it's hard because you're both like looking at me like sweet innocent like yes and tell us more and it's like I'm used to like nerds that are like we know we know keep so uh I don't know in about two minutes we're gonna go deep on the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 you said and then I'm gonna that'll be my time to eagerly look at you if you've ever played PT so yeah it's it's all like PT in that way where PT was a demo right it was only supposed to be um, a hint of what the game was but it was such a small (laughs) contained experience and Resident Evil 7 is a lot like that it doesn't have the same level of like mystery to it because it's not really meant to be like dug into but it has that same kind of intimate setting for you to suddenly be creeped out by which I really like are these screenshots in your write up accurate so that's actually Andrew's write up not my write up oh I'm so sorry but I will take credit for his work (laughs) is this what the video game looks like though because this This is really good yeah that's what it looks like like I'm not saying guys I'm not saying I had a great (laughs) night of culture last night I might have watched both Showgirls and Demolition Man Mm -hmm. well you're having a real time (laughs) I was just escaping I was just like I'm out (laughs) like I'm not watching any real TV anymore um, but I'll give you the advice that Nomi Malone receives in Showgirls, which is when another dancer gets in your way, you step on him. <laughs> which is how <laughs> I respect that. Senior, senioritis all the way. By the way, I could talk about Demolition Man for like six hours right now. I've actually never seen it. I'm oh sorry. my god! No, it's not. It's a it's a Sylvester Stallone movie. Hmm. Sylvester Stallone, Sandra Bullock. It is crazy. You should watch it. 
Okay. Also, like the the most plot holes of any movie ever. Oh yeah, it makes no sense. Also, there's a whole plot point in the movie where there were the franchise wars and all restaurants in the future are Taco Bell. This is a whole thing. What? But I was watching it very quietly because it was late at night and I had the captions on. Taco Bell and Pizza Hut are owned by the same company, right? Uh huh. That company has somehow paid the caption provider to change every instance of the word Taco Bell to Pizza Hut in the captions. No, so no, like no, 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 no. Eli, you're wrong. Uh, I, uh, movies with Mikey, he did an episode on this, and it turns out that internationally when they released it, they made another version of all of those scenes where they turned the Taco Bells into Pizza Huts. Well, so and I'm so those closed captions, yes. Like even the... The thing is, like, he's like, I could really go for a burrito right now. And the caption's like, slice of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's about a dystopian future where basically hippies to take over the world and Sylvester Sloan, you know, is he's unfrozen to capture Wesley Slipes. Oh, this course, has yeah. been The Vergecast. It's mostly about Demolition Man. Paul, Dude, do you want to talk about this phone? I thought I'd seen this movie. You got to see this movie. I haven't seen this movie. This looks amazing. It's in this current climate, it mm-hmm. is such a weird thing to watch. Because it posits a future that is at both once completely fantastic, but also like the most real. Where you can have a combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. No, all, they're all just Taco Bells. <laughs> you should, look, you just, pizza, everybody yeah. go watch Demolition Man, and then we're going to have a special Vergecast okay. only about Demolition Man. Right. That's what we're going to do for our last Vergecast in this office. I'm kind of not kidding. <laughs> Don't sound like you're kidding. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. Paul, talk about the Galaxy S8. Uh, well, there's been a bunch of rumors about it, and the big headlining rumor that really gets Neilai excited was that Ooh. there was no headphone jack. But now the Guardian came out with a ton more rumors, and they, they seem like they sourced it from a lot of people. That I wrote the thing like Samsung getting rid of the headphone jack is stupid too, uh-huh. and then a bunch of little birdies whispered to me that it would have a headphone jack. So, so the Guardian yeah, actually sudden, got those people. The to Guardian say it on the is saying, or well, yeah, they're anonymously sourced, but yes, <clears> that the they will have a headphone jack. The more exciting, weird thing is that it will have, I think it's called Dex. Yes, D-E-X. The the Dex dock, which will turn your phone into a desktop, which will never work. (laughs) But I love it when people try to do it. So I've... Sure, so just, super Samsung. Just buy an LCD and a keyboard and a mouse, and then you can use Android apps in some sort of weird windowed environment. <laughs> That's what you want? That's great. You're so close. You're only $200 and a whole desk of area <laughs> away. <laughs> I, mean, we, I think we talked about this show last week. This is the dream. Yeah. It's the next thing. Oh, I've, it's, it's a compromise. There's so many compromises. Get yeah. a computer Paul, for your desk. Have a phone in your pocket. So here's my theory. We need a word for this. Mm-hmm. It's a thing Samsung does every year. They hear that someone else is going to do something, and they rush out a crappy version of that mm-hmm. first, right? So, like, Dieter fully believes that Google is pushing forward this, like, Chrome OS, Android hybrid situation. I mean, they are doing that, but, like, right. Android Chrome OS tablets are on Android apps, so like, a thing that Google's going to do. Someone else is doing the phone. Like, Microsoft is doing the phone into a computer. Well, Microsoft is been pitching that for a while right hasn't done a lot with it i mean i think the answer's got to be it, it, it's pre-sunged right pre-sunged yeah. they did it last year with the s the s7 in some way i don't remember what it was and then the note 7 they heard that apple was going to make their shit explode <laughs> so <they're just> like, <laughs> oh. um, paul i figured you'd be most excited that the samsung has gotten closer than anybody ever has of your dream of the the perfect featureless monolith phone where the front is nothing but screen yeah 
I am excited about it, but so there's been this photo that's going around that the Guardian actually says is relatively accurate of of what this screen looks like. And for one, it just looks really big, but it's got these like little bezels on the top and bottom, and then there's nothing on the edges, and the be- bezels are truly really small. And I know it's just totally unfair to judge a phone by its like faceplate without the phone there. Yeah, but it just looks terrible to me. Yeah. I should be more excited about it. Well, I so probably should have mentioned it in my write-up. Oh, maybe I did. Yeah, the well, whole should... screen design. So what's funny That's is cool. that these first leaks about the S8 are coming hot on the heels of Samsung doing like a press tour, an event about why the batteries exploded. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. put out like infographics. So like, here's why the batteries exploded. The infographics are hilarious. I encourage you to go look at them. It's like a, it's a diagram of a battery, and they're like, yeah, all these pins in the corner, they shouldn't have been touching each other. And then the, they're like, and the second battery had a different problem, which is all these pins at the bottom shouldn't have been bent up through the casing and touching each other. It's like, it's kind of the same problem. Oh. But they did a whole tour. Vlad thinks their apology is very humble. They're going to keep did, the I, note their, branding. Their apology was great. I, I it was fine. Like the they they presented something that felt really comprehensive in terms of their study. They like two hundred thousand devices, seven hundred employees. Uh, but then more importantly, they brought in two outside firms to independently, you know, verify their findings. And um, you know whether or not they can stop this from happening again with their eight point. There's an eight point plan that make sure nothing ever explodes ever again. Mm. At least they finally did the thing that we've all been waiting for, which is tell us exactly what happened and like show that it's accurate. Um, I still have some questions about why, like did it need to take that long? But like if they really did have 700 people look at 200,000 devices, so I don't believe that math. I just did the math. That's every one of those people looked at 285.7 devices. That's a lot batteries. of devices per person. Well, that's one non-full person. <laughs> well, they they probably ran a bunch of them through like you know quick and like quick uh, physical inspection and like I a you said overcharge. <laughs> no. We're just like, did you pay yeah. your taxes? I haven't heard Megan's perspective on Samsung. I feel like we talked about it a lot uh, in the prior months, but is that like a dead brand? No, I mean, I think the whole thing is like funnier than I should. Like yeah. to me, it's still such a big joke. So I think that if they embrace that, if they if they really like lean into it, like I'd probably buy stuff from them again. Yeah, there's a real chance I buy an S8. I, I mean, I buy everything. So. I feel like it seems like they're going to be fine. I still can't. You buy still have bought a Pixel because I can't. We Chris Welch ran a whole story. There's leaks yep. about the Pixel 2 today. Mm. You can't buy a first Pixel. I don't trust those leaks very much. I'm just saying, if you are in the part of your device lifecycle where people feel confident in fake, like, leaking fake news, mm. like, maybe you should be shipping your phone by now. <laughs> yes. Like, it doesn't Is matter it if the leaks are real or not. If you're, are they if you're having that part in the story. manufacturing problems, or are they just more demand than they were expecting? Dieter, do you know? I think it's more demand than they were expecting. Um, to any they, demand. No, they, won't, they won't cop to it. If you look at the number of installs for the Pixel launcher, which presumably everybody's updated you know, once, but maybe not, uh, it's less than a million. Mm. Um which is, but I, I, there have been estimates that it's you know higher than that. But it's you know, it's nothing like an iPhone, obviously, but or even a Samsung phone. But it's um, it's kind of ridiculous that they haven't been able to ramp up uh, production of these things. And the reason it's ridiculous is this is a company that claimed it was getting serious about hardware and getting serious about retail and getting serious about making sales. Um, it never claimed it was going to like topple you know Samsung in terms of 
you know, sales numbers, but they, they weren't doing this in the way they did the Nexus, like on a lark. Cause they thought people might like it. They intended to sell a bunch of these phones and they're advertising the shit out of these phones. They're on the commercials are on TV all the time and mm-hmm. they're not making enough. Like, yeah, this is a, this is a Rick Osterlo fail. Yeah. I mean, they have, so there's like a, a bunch Rick. of fancy new buildings in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. There's a big fancy new hotel. The entire sides of it are covered in pixel ads. Mm. Like it's not cheap real estate to market this phone on. Mm. TV ads are not cheap. And it's like, I'd love to get one of those. Someone asked me last night. That's I get the a second pixel? yuppie thing you've said today, by the way. <laughs> that there's a new hotel in my neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> it's shaped like a decanter. <laughs> the, sides like, of the, the sides of the tall buildings in my neighborhood are very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine, though. It's I'm not like, judging you. Here's what that decanter was shaped like. I figured it out. <laughs> I figured out what I was trying to say. Okay. It made me feel bad as an Indian person for almost have buying it because it was sha- it looks like something that a British person who was really into colonialism. <laughs> like, he was like, we should mm. keep them. Like, that's oh, what it God. looked like. Ah. Right? Like, I don't know. Those railroads are quite nice. Like, that's, um. anyway, that's where I'm at. Again, senioritis is running rampant in my brain. So. Sometimes I look at crystalware and I, I have opinions. The my third ro- my roommate third is, is uh, <laughs> of Irish descent huh? and hates the British. Yeah. Just you wouldn't forever. buy this thing. Just forever. We'll show him this. Um, look, I got a picture <laughs> of the decanter. <laughs> send me the picture of the decanter. Hit me up on iMessage. Then say congrats so that I get all the confetti. <laughs> I'll show it to my roommate. And then next week we'll talk about Demolition Man. And then probably pretty soon Jim Bangkok. <laughs> The CEO of Vox Media is going to say, what's, what's going on, guys? Yeah, how's your tech show coming? <laughs> uh, so speaking of Samsung, I'm going to bring this up. We are, Liz is going to come on. We're going to talk about Trump. Paul and I are going to argue about neutrality a bit. But this is, I think, my favorite Samsung story of the week, which is, was Android Central did this piece, Dieter? Um, yeah. Trying to figure out, the New York Times reported that Trump is still tweeting from his unsecured Android phone. They described it as which, he, which his staffers didn't want him to be using, but he's doing it. Right. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to this probably remembers the story about Obama going to the White House. He had he wanted to be the first BlackBerry president. They had to like, get him a special one that was all locked down. Then he got an iPad. He still can get a phone. He's complained about his phone being crappy. Trump, from all indications, is using a Galaxy S3. Now, yeah, he so could he was, have a newer one. We don't know. No one's yeah. confirmed it. There's a bunch of photos. Mm-hmm. Well, so the most recent photo that I could find. Huh? The most recent photo that I could find is the one that Android Central found. Like I was, they, I was looking at photos at the same time they were. I should have written the story, but I didn't. So good job, Android Central. Um, but the most recent photo was I want to say from February, uh, 2016. Um, but uh, if you look at the phone, you zap Ruder it. It's definitely a Galaxy S3, which in the U.S. Uh, I think got updated to like 4.4.3 or something. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, a few a few thoughts on this. One, <laughs> you're a billionaire. <laughs> Buy a new phone. <laughs> yeah, like get on next. Right? There's many uh, plans that will just automatically deliver you a new phone. <laughs> Two, uh, Donald Trump is is literally your grandpa sitting in front of Fox News tweeting out the things that he's angry about, which is hilarious. I just keep thinking about what the font size in this Galaxy S3 must be. <laughs> but it's got to be huge, right? It's not small. Three, this is running, if it is, if it, he is in fact still using an S3, the question is why, you know, the answer is obviously he's comfortable with it. He likes it for whatever reason. S3 was fine. You know, it was fine. Um, but maybe like, you know, 
Putin's spyware software doesn't work on uh, Marshmallow. <laughs> like, they're like, shit. Like, we require only, the only, latest play services. Yeah, it only goes up to KitKat, <laughs> and so they just he's just got to stick with it for a while. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's a real thing. I'm just putting it out there. I think as listeners of the Vergecast, maybe we should do a Kickstarter. <laughs> Get your new phone. <laughs> like, we need to raise like $700. Like, we could buy him a nice new phone. My iPhone 7. We could buy him like 10 extra dongles. I'm pretty sure that the the phone that the secure phone that you know the government gave him was like an S4 active or an S or an S5 active, maybe even an S6. I gotta I gotta look it up. Yeah, there's a whole um, thing about how uh, Samsung Knox is like the only it's supported by the Department of Defense. The problem- oh, of course, if you try and search for S active with Trump, all you get is Trump is active on Twitter. So. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, it's a yeah. Suppose, supposedly it's a Galaxy S7 active. Is the the secure phone that they gave him? Were they like? And were they like? Well, the president definitely needs a rugged phone. God only knows yeah, where the president probably. will go. Well, I'm sure they won't let it, they won't let him install Twitter on that phone, which is why he has the other phone. Right. Anyway, I think it's fascinating that he's still using this phone. It's just that's where we are. Like he's a living meme, and he's like meme creating with this with a Galaxy S3. That's where we are. Kickstarter. The most powerful phone on the planet. I'm interested in what if we were to kickstart Trump a new phone. What no, phone, the what thing phone is, you got to kickstart him like a like a high, we should a high school it. or college age child. Baron is ten years old, too young to be the the person who helps you switch over to a new phone, and his other children are like grown up. Yeah, he needs oh. he he doesn't have a child in that perfect sweet spot to help you help a, a boomer make the transition. Do you think Baron has a better cell phone, though, than his dad? He has a staff. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Like, hire like a like I'm a, just like saying, a we're, mid-20s We're talking butler. about the, if, Trump, if Trump is this the, the old guy with an old phone watching Fox News and tweeting when he's mad, you know. He controls the United States. There's, like, a lot of people. You need a millennial child to help you I make the transition when you're for upgrading. The, for anyone who isn't a million, like... I'm just saying I've done a lot of tech support. I know you have. Let me ask you a question. a lot of baby boomers. Do any of those baby boomers phones? have buildings with their name on them? Any of them on a golf course? Well, just checking. No Any of them had their own plane that they were sad about giving up for Air Force One. Just some baseline questions. Like, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normal boomers. Right? Yeah, I need, was just running you, with the joke. I'm not really X-er. saying that there's any reason for Look, Trump I'm to have I'm kickstarting him a phone, and it's going to be... Neil, you yeah. can't be the only person who's allowed to have senioritis right now, okay? Like, let Paul have his joke. Fine. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting Trump a next bit Robin. <laughs> no one can stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, before we go on to the next thing, LG, film left out, the Samsung party. Mm-hmm. We got a picture of the G6 leaking out of the world. It looks really cool. Yeah. I think it looks really cool. Got a, it's got like a curved screen, like the edges of the screen. It's yeah. not like curved in three dimensions. It's curved around. It's a round wrecked. Yeah. I like it. A round wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's going to happen to this phone? <laughs> it's going to run terrible it's, software and we're not going to buy it's gonna it. Get, it's going to get roundly wrecked by uh, the Samsung Galaxy X8. Yeah. But this is LG's chance. This is their moment. I just want to put this out there again. It's their opportunity. Far East Movement is a band. I don't think they're doing anything right now. It's just sitting there. This does look nice. You need to explain the full joke because people don't know it anyway. Far East Movement is a band. They have a song called Like a G6. Mm. Oh, yep. no. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The line in Like a G6 is sipping scissor up on my ride, which I've always heard is sipping scissor on my ride, which is where that whole fucking joke comes from. Really? Yes. That was the start of it. Wow. It's really bad. I'm so happy to... 
be here for this explanation. It's this explanation has happened on the show. I would say four dozen times. Well, why you got to take this away from me? That's <laughs> <laughs> everyone's wild today. <laughs> anyway, they look, released an album LG, in 2016 called again. Identity. We don't usually do like integrations or branding, but if for this one, if you put me in a plane in a G6 with Far East Movement, I, I will hold your phone. I won't do anything with it. I'll hold it. But I'll probably uh-huh. have a smile on my face. We bob your head a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll get drunk in my own custom vodka. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. It's going to get serious. Liz is going to be here. There's a lot happening in the science community. She ran a piece. I know Paul has some thoughts about this. She ran a piece called Yes, Science is Political. Trump has made a lot of moves around science. We wanted her to come on and explain it. So I'm going to read this ad. I'm going to come back and talk to Liz. This episode of The Virtual is brought to you by Crizal No Glare Lenses. Yes, that's right. Crizal no glare lenses. If you wear glasses, then you know that fingerprints, smudges, scratches, and glares can be a constant obstruction to your vision and a huge distraction. Sometimes you end up focusing more on what's on your glasses and what's going around you, for example, on your Galaxy S3 cell phone. That's why I love Crizal no glare lenses. They give you the clearest vision possible by offering resistance to glares, scratches, and smudges. It means no more blinding glares from the headlights of oncoming traffic while driving at night, no more fingerprint smudges from taking your glasses on and off, and no scratches from cleaning your lenses on your shirt. And because Crizal no glare lenses take clear and reduced distracting glare, your friends and family can actually see your eyes, not just your glasses. Look better, feel better, and most importantly, be prepared for whatever comes your way with clear vision. Go to Crizal.com, that's C-R-I-Z-A-L.com, and start living life in the clear. Okay, we're back, and Liz Lopato has joined us. Hey, Liz. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going. It's been a while since you've been on our show. Yeah, it's just been, you know, uh, I think since I was last in New York. Yeah. Wow. We got to come. See, we all have senioritis today because it's like one of our last shows in this studio. But then we have the new one. You got to come. There's yeah, like windows. There's like a sound booth. Lap of luxury. <laughs> I'm so excited. Anyway, Liz, we're gonna let's get let's get serious. Let's get deep. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I've been living. So I, I have not been experiencing the senioritis because uh, there has been so much news coming out of the news new administration about science specifically that that's kind of where I've been living. I actually had a sandwich before I came in. It was the first time I've eaten today. So <laughs> wow. that's how it's been. <laughs> yeah, Liz and I were talking just before the show, and the thing that's amazing to me uh, is Trump has done a bunch of stuff uh, right away. He's issued a bunch of executive orders, but it seems like the the biggest storyline coming out of all those executive orders are like people not being happy from a science perspective. It's not, you know, that hit first, not immigration, not even healthcare, not the wall, uh, it not, you know, the economy, your jobs, or like the thing that like everybody's like crafting a narrative around is all the stuff that's happening with science. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. So there are are pieces of science that are relatively controversial, right? Like, um, I know there are plenty of people out there who don't believe in evolution. I know there are plenty of people out there who don't accept global warming. But it turns out most of the rest of science is pretty uncontroversial and actually fairly well liked by the public at large. Um, And so I think that's maybe one of the reasons why uh, there is kind of this moment where people are really coalescing um, around science, especially I I noticed that the national parks uh, have been a focus of discussion. And that's in part because I don't think there are very many people who don't love the national parks. They're pretty bipartisan. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm I'm not totally surprised to find out that this is getting a huge pushback, right? Like over the last 50 or 60, 100 years, science has really changed the way that we have lived um, from everything from like 
penicillin and vaccines to things like automobiles um, and the internet. Um, so, you know, uh, I think the public at large is is pretty positive on science, especially, you know, space science. Uh, Elon Musk obviously is somebody our, our audience cares about a lot and dude wants to go to Mars. So also I, underground. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> all over the below. place. Yeah. Elon's um, got a lot to do and he's like DMing us, which is amazing. <laughs> Bless that guy. Um, but, you know, it's it's like been less than a week since the inauguration, as I am. I'm saying this to you on a Thursday. Um, and so the EPA has been a target for the Trump administration. And, you know, there's there's been a bunch of stuff, most alarmingly that studies and data um are, are under a quote-unquote temporary hold uh, before they're released, and they are going to be um, reviewed by political appointees before they can be released to the public, which is very unusual. Uh, typically, the way that this went during, like, for instance, the George W. Bush years was that they would notify the political appointee that they were going to be publishing about something controversial. It wasn't like a review, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, here's our, here's our study. It's going to be coming out. FYI, like, there could be a little bit of a firestorm. This is actually uh, more, what is the word I want here? <laughs> Sweeping than that. It, it, you know, like when you see people like William K. Riley, who was the EPA administrator for uh, George H.W. Bush, saying this is, quote, going down a very dark road, yeah. <laughs> you start to get alarmed. But basically, um, we're hitting a point where the actual, actual research integrity is potentially threatened. And I think that really upsets people. And I, th- I think it upsets people in part because. We generally, I, I would say, trust scientists. I mean, stop me if I'm, I'm wrong, but like, you know, people like um, Carl Sagan or more recently Neil deGrasse Tyson are sort of like homey figures that everyone knows, kind of trusts, wants to talk to, feels comfortable with, um, and, and, and likes them so much that they invite them into their homes via television set on a fairly routine basis. Right. To explain things, there's like an objectivity, right, that that like creates comfort, right? With, yeah. with science. I mean, you know, the data doesn't care whether you like it or not. The data is the data, right? <laughs> if you don't like the data, that that kind of sucks for you. But you, you know, you're still stuck with it. So I think that that is something that people have kind of latched onto, and I think it ties into something larger that I've noticed. I noticed during the Trump campaign, which is a sort of disregard for facts, mm-hmm. um, just a, a, a level of disinterest in what the facts are, um, and, and just, you know, uh, on a personal level, it's a little different than, I think, being deliberately lied to, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like people who are deliberately lying to me often do know what the truth is and are keeping track of it and in order to deceive me. And here, I sort of feel like the message is the truth is what we want the truth to be. <laughs> and um, that, that, that it, that, that's a direct confrontation with the methodology uh, of science and the way that, that we understand how to, how to discover things about the world around us um, and about our own bodies and, and, and about space and everything. So those, those sort of ideologies are a little bit at odds, I think. Um, are you seeing this from – so scientists are obviously responding in a bunch of ways, right? There's – the rogue Twitter accounts, and they're of unknown provenance, but there was like, you know, a dozen or more rogue Twitter accounts. Like Alt National Park Service started because Trump shut down the Park Service Twitter. Um, there's a rogue NASA account, which is actually very funny. But like, we don't know if they're they're real, right? But the, no, we don't. The story behind them 
again, of unknown provenance. It's like these are rogue government scientists, like starting their own ways of communicating. But are you seeing that kind of response from across the political spectrum? Or is it just a bunch of like pissed off liberal scientists? So it's a it's a bunch of I wouldn't even say the scientists are pissed off, or at least the ones that I've spoken to are pissed off so much as they are kind of terrified. Uh, some of that has to do with the communication style. One person I spoke to uh, said that he hadn't discovered his grant was frozen uh, until he read about it in the news. And then he checked in with the lab. And sure enough, he couldn't send samples for analysis because they didn't they couldn't um, they didn't have the money. They weren't allowed to use the money. And he compared that with previous administrations where there have been uh, freezes like this, but they were clearly communicated in advance with an end date in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think part of it is just a straight lack of communication internally with all of these um, you know, government scientists, basically. Um, I wouldn't say that the sci- at least the ones that I've spoken to, they don't seem angry so much as they seem scared and confused. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have been mostly tracking scientists, so I don't really know what the, the public at large response is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the same refrain over and over is we don't, we don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? Can you tell us what's going on? Which is a weird thing to hear from your sources. Yeah. So what, what, what happens next? Well, I don't know if you, if you saw this today, but um, Elijah Cummings, uh, the top Democrat on the House Committee of Oversight and Governmental Reform, and Frank Pallone, the ranking member on the House Committee of Energy and Commerce, just sent a letter to the White House uh, saying that the, uh, the gag orders may actually be violating federal law. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, That's a super weird thing to laugh at, Liz. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I've been having a really weird week. Yeah. Just a really weird week. No, I'll um, say this to our audience. Like, right, we run Verge Science. If you've been watching Verge Science, we, we often dip our toe into political issues. But mostly we cover, like, space and health issues and, like, the tech industry interfacing with science. And l- lately Liz has been saying to me over and over again, I, we can't stop covering the new administration. Like, it's dominating everything we do because it's creating so much news. It's kind of where you've been living. Yeah. Uh, which is, if I seem a little uh, spacey and confused, is yeah. a little bit why. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, what's going on right now is is not normal. You know, uh, often there are like bumps when administrations transition. Uh, that's that is normal. Um, but the level and scale of confusion uh, is unusual. Um, the level of fear is unusual, and some of the some of the stuff that we've been getting in terms of communication, uh, particularly from the EPA, is really really unusual. The idea that uh, studies should be reviewed by political appointees itself is unusual. Um, and you know, scientists have have <laughs> they're not um, a politically active bunch necessarily. I mean, like they vote, but. Uh, that you don't see them necessarily turn up at protests, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're organizing one now. Yeah, uh, they're planning to march on Washington, and so <laughs> that's going <laughs> to be the nerdiest protest of all time. I, I, but yeah, great it signs is. are coming out of that protest. Oh, <laughs> my like, favorite sign from the women's march was, uh, "What do we want? Real science? When do we want it? After peer review?" Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's like an old um, standby. It's yeah. Great. So, you know, I mean, uh, this is this is a super unusual situation where um, where scientists are, are essentially 
feeling very threatened. Um, and because the communication has been so unclear, it's not clear to them whether they are actually being threatened um, or if there is just confusion or if this is a you know a transitional state or, or what's going on. Um, one thing I will say that I saw, I think it was Motherboard had reported that the hiring freeze for uh, national parks meant that there might not be enough rangers during the peak because they have to start hiring their seasonal workers now mm -hmm. uh, for the summers when people tend to go visit. So if you, like me, love spending time in national parks, um, I think you should probably call your representatives Yeah, <laughs> and maybe uh, check with uh, rangers before you plan your vacation this year. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay. Well, we're going to keep covering this, basically the hell out of this, because it impacts almost everything that we normally cover, right? Like, the space industry is about to undergo some radical changes, because Trump has different, like, he's like, we should go to the moon instead of Mars, right? Like, that's a real thing that is being, like, it's happening. So it touches a lot of what we cover. I think we're going to see a lot more of it. And I think, Liz, you're probably going to make a bunch more appearances on the show to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, one thing that I, I, I do want people to keep in mind is that uh, most science, including stuff that happens at universities, basic science, uh, it, can, it can be expensive and the government typically pays for it. It's one of actually the, the best investments that we have in terms of job creation, in terms of creation of technology and stuff that trickles out to the wider world, R&D. Um, so, you know, this stuff, it's it's... When I see people sort of attacking science, I wonder if they understand what exactly they are attacking, because um, American prosperity is so closely tied to our scientific prowess, and it's a major source of soft power for us. Our uh, scientific education programs are among the best in the world. Um, and right now, Brazil uh, is undergoing massive science brain drain because they aren't funding their scientists. The, the great scientists they've built are going elsewhere. And I'm not saying that's happening here. It's too early to happen here yet. But that is a possibility. Um, it is possible that if you tank science, you actually wind up hurting America very badly in the long run. So here's a question that I have. Uh, it seems like there's a science is very uh, careful and slow and deliberative. The scientific process and scientists in general are slow, careful and deliberative, which seems to be the opposite of what uh, Donald Trump is being as president. And so there's an asymmetry between the speed with which he's like throwing out decrees and um, making executive orders and like applying new rules. Like he could, he just, he's just doing that wicked, crazy fast. Uh, it's, it's like impossible to keep up with it actually. Um, is there, is there like a, a fundamental, like, I mean, this applies to Congress too, but is there a fundamental problem where the science community isn't used to or isn't able to, because they're scientists and they want to be slow and deliberative, respond as quickly as like this, it's coming out. I don't, yeah, I mean, again, part of it is just the straight up confusions. And so right. like, because they tend to be very deliberate in response, when they're confused, they tend to say nothing. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, but um, I think that there's definitely a mismatch there. I also think, I, I what I have been wondering about, and this is just a personal wonder, um, is like, does Donald Trump understand scientific jobs as also being jobs and part of jobs creation? Mm -hmm. Because they are. I mean, like, and, you know, you don't have to have a degree necessarily to do a lot of these things, um, particularly in ecology. They're always looking for folks who can check traps. 
Um, you know, uh, you don't necessarily have to have gone to college to be involved with with research. And so there are jobs that you can create by bolstering the scientific establishment instead of attacking it. And I find this all <laughs> bewildering um, in light of the jobs promises he's made. Yeah. Like I said, we're just going to keep tracking it. Um, but sadly, now I have to read an ad. But Liz, like I said, I suspect you're going to be back on the show a bunch of times over the next months, years, duration yeah. of the Empire. <laughs> uh. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Liz. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and then Paul and I are going to argue about net neutrality. It's going to be great. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace, a company that only exists because of fucking net neutrality. <laughs> Whether you're planning to start a business, change careers, or launch creative projects in the new year, attack your next move with Squarespace. Again, uh, which you can do because your website won't be throttled. Yeah, check out my new website, vergesucks.com. <laughs> Widely used by all kinds of people and businesses, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform with which you can make your latest goals into a reality. So whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, vergesucks.com, <laughs> or an online store, it's all included in your Squarespace website. Plus, Squarespace offers a unique domain experience that is fully transparent and simple setup. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. But if you do have questions, you can turn to Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support for help, no matter how technical or trivial seeming your problem may be. So start your free trial today, squarespace.com. Enter offer code VERGE. Get 10% off your first purchase. That's VERGE. That's your offer code. 10% off your first, first purchase. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Bam. They just, like, there's got to be a list. Like, spin the wheel. Like, what's the tagline today? I love it. All right, Paul. Mm-hmm. Every week, you do a segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? It's called Dry Your Sweaty Palms. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you forgot. <laughs> so memorable. I know. Uh, yeah, there's these... Um, oh, shoot. I lost the tap. Oh, this always happens. <laughs> okay. Your the, palms are so sweaty. <laughs> my palms are so tabs everywhere. Performance gaming wear. Oh my god. From <gasps> Control. I wish this was a video podcast. Megan just put her hands over her mouth like she's got the vapors. I saw these earlier and just had to restrain myself. This is com- from Control Freak. Uh, Control Freak spelled with a K, of course. Well, of course, yeah. No. yeah, yeah. They they're famous for like the little. Wait, is it with a K at the top and a Q at the end? No. So uh, no, she was the end. Gamers. You gotta go for it. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Uh, it's Freak, though. F R E E K. I wanna kill myself. Um, <laughs> Control Freak is famous for these little, like, thumbstick extenders. So you put, like, a little extender on your Xbox or PlayStation controller's thumbsticks to get, like, a little better control. Yeah. They're for, all about airing out your hands. Um, <laughs> but company. now they have this performance gaming wear, which is a pair of basketball shorts. <laughs> Which is, it's a real thing. It's in the Call of Duty community. Okay. There's a lot of basketball shorts. You wear a hoodie and basketball shorts, and it's just the thing. Any weather. Everybody's a slob. Yeah. But they're, why a hoodie? Like, why not, why not wear warriors? As, as slobs. Well, yes. well, Dieter, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. The Does hoodie. Does Call of Duty have clans? What's the team? <laughs> what are your team names? I don't play Call of Duty. Uh, I'm a pacifist. I don't either. It's but like, if I started a, a it's Call like a of World Duty of tribe, guild or something, guild, <laughs> warrior like cult, like a esports team. <laughs> yeah, mine would be warrior slobs. Warrior slobs with Z. 
Oh, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. so the sh- the basketball shorts have this like side panel on them of this absorbent material, <laughs> so you can wipe your hands <laughs> when they get all sweaty. They just added a little. And then the material's also on the hoodie. Wait, and, the material's also on the hoodie. And the hoodie has like is like larger because like when you're doing esports, you have to wear like their like mandatory noise canceling headphones, so you can't hear crowd noise. Yeah. And then they typically you typically wear earbuds under. Wait, yeah, really? If you, if you if, look closely at any. Uh, like esports situation, you'll typically see little earbuds sneaking up into the so they can hear the the game audio. But this is the hoodie's oversized so that it fits over this, and then it gives you like an isolated. Wow. You know, it's just you. Does it does it snap onto the, the edges of games. your thirty inch monitor? No, <laughs> that's that like be, the real key. That'd be, <laughs> right? Also, like built in snaps at the end. Pockets of the the basketball shorts are oversized, so you can put your controller in. <laughs> Where can I buy them? Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Why not? Thirty six bucks. That's great. Great basketball shorts. I like it. And you can wear a Scott E vest under it so that you can pull out even more devices. Absolutely. I'm ready for it. Uh, you know our friends at Polygon. Megan, you know all about Polygon. I know all about them. I've they're, heard of them before. Uh, they're expanding some esports this year. They're gonna need way more esports coverage. It's like a thing. It's a real thing. It's a real Everybody's thing. Everybody's gonna have to wear those shorts, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, Polygon, I don't I didn't want to break this news to you on the podcast. <laughs> Everyone at Polygon required to wear basketball shorts now. <laughs> <laughs> Super weird. Most other media companies have like social media policies. Mm-hmm. Polygon just like wear these goddamn basketball <laughs> shorts. Wipe your sweaty hands on. <laughs> Damn. Wait, I feel like I don't want to get too deep into this. Uh, yeah. I feel like they've like they've solved the hand sweat issue. But they're really you're, you got a warm head issue going on. You can get hot. Oh, they need because you got you got like headphones, earbuds, and a hoodie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there like good ventilation in the hood? Like, is, well, what's, what's the technology all in your the hood through your legs? <laughs> 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 Why not wear fingerless gloves that like wick the moisture away directly at the source? No, 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 no. Because no, all right, that won't all right, work. All right, have you, Dieter, have you heard of the claw grip? Oh my god. I have. It's all right. Inspector Gadget's so arch got, enemy. We're coming. When he grips you. I really want to talk about net neutrality and I really Scoogle. want to talk about the show Hunted, which I'm fucking obsessed with. <laughs> so, okay. So Trump, I hate to just keep hammering on Trump, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the man's moving fast. Very He's doing fast. a lot of things. Um, one of the things he did, he appointed a new chairman of the FCC. So, mm-hmm. again, I think longtime listeners know, uh, The Verge, I personally have been a champion of net neutrality for a long time. There was a Obama's FCC chairman, Tom Wheeler, was a big surprise because he used to work for the teleco companies. He was a cable industry guy. He was a telco guy. He came in, did Title II, made net neutrality happen. Alexis Ohanian you know, flew a flag from the top of the Reddit headquarters and then ran away to marry Serena Williams because his last work was done. Wheeler's out, obviously, new administration. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump has appointed a guy named Ajit Pai as the new chairman of the FCC. Mm-hmm. He's been on the FCC for a while. He's, he was an Obama appointee. I will say this. Yep. Of all of the, of all of Trump's appointees, Pai is probably the most just like well-liked, most qualified guy. It's not saying a lot. Well, not, but he's like, he's no. the real deal, right? Like, he's very smart. I think Paul and I both, like, Paul and I disagree about this issue, but mm. I agree with Paul that Pi is a very smart guy. He, he's also, like, he's really, like, hot fire on Twitter. Like, when he speaks or when he, you know, writes or, you know, whenever he, any any public venue he's in, he's, like, cogent and, like, listenable or readable. Yeah, like, I think he's... I, you, you, never, you never get bored by him. Right, so the way I'll put this is, I think any other Republican president would have done a great job by appointing 
Ajit Pai is the chairman of the FCC, right? Mm-hmm. He's the right pick for this kind for the for the for the Republican Party. Great. He's like basically like, fuck it, it's all over. Like we're burning it down. Um, so you're already seeing, and he's anti-net neutrality. He was mm. from the beginning. Um, he's written a bunch of dissenting opinions as those orders came through. We're going to do a bunch of pieces, kind of analyzing what he's already written about it. I think Jay Castranca, our great reporter, is already working on that. Um, but you're seeing this immediate turn by the telecommunications industry in response to it. So um, Verizon said it might buy Charter Cable, which just bought Time Warner Cable. So there's already a push towards more consolidation. That's happening in the context of AT&T buying Time Warner. I think you're seeing T-Mobile kind of, they're just basically being like, yo, Sprint, we're going to buy you. It's pro- you know, like, you up? That's like their attitude towards Sprint right now. Um, and then AT&T, uh, Randall Stevenson, the CEO of AT&T, uh, said we're, they're going, quote, they're going hard on zero rating. Mm-hmm. Here's the quote. We were actually quite confident that zero rating as we were implementing it was fine under a pie chairmanship. So you're now seeing this bundleization of the Internet happening. So AT&T is going to make DirecTV now free to stream. Some other service like Sling TV might not be free to stream unless Sling pays AT&T. So there's a price differentiate. They did price, most price. of these things before the election. But they got Wheeler was like, this shit's illegal. Right. Wheeler already issued an opinion saying. Verizon yeah. zero rating and AT&T zero rating was not fine. And now they're saying, well, Pi's coming in. We think it's going to be fine. Pi's not going to do this. Pi might you know, take down Title II. Or he might work with Congress. To just Congress do this in 10 minutes. They could say, Congress decrees Title II does not apply to the Internet. It literally could just do it and Trump would sign it and it would be over. Like Kind of like in the 90s when they said that FCC should be like low on regulation, like that the internet was not supposed to be heavily regulated. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I really like the pie quote about the title two reclassification. This order impo- imposes intrusive government regulations that won't work to solve a problem that doesn't exist using legal authority. The FCC doesn't have. So here's my argument to you. And, and I, I, and I think the result has only been more consolidation a lot more zero rating has happened after this whole Title II thing. And, you know, the big companies can afford to get a bunch of lawyers and fight the FCC forever. So do you think zero rating is good or bad on that? It's, it's, to me, that's, it's, that's not what it's about. I think it's about the rights of a company to be able to make decisions about how it wants to approach a market. Like, I have different dis- like opinions about what I want my internet company to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how I want them to be treated by the government. And right. I think we, we as members of, of the press, have basically the most protections of any industry to do approach our market exactly how we want to do. And we have some restrictions on you know the things we need to do with how we treat our employees and yeah. non-discrimination and the basic the baseline regulations. But our industry, specifics are com- almost completely unregulated mm-hmm. about how we speak and the decisions we make and, and, and what we do. That is not the climate for, I would say, most American businesses. Well, I and, would just say focus on the ISPs, right? Because yeah, the ISPs and I, and did I, live I think, in this climate for a long time. Right. Right. And uh, the pie quote about net neutrality actually came before the zero rating stuff happened, before discrimin- discriminatory pricing happened, right? Like the, the things they're doing now are the things that Title II net neutrality were designed to prevent. Yeah, it's weird how that worked where 
that you create this regulation and then these big companies do what seems like the opposite of the intent of this regulation. Right. Well, they're pushing well, they're, back on it. Yeah, they're pushing. They're, they're trying to find loop. They're, they're, seeing, they're, they're creating yeah, a business they're like, practice. Isn't that it's weird how that trade. wasn't very effective at getting what people wanted? But no, but it could be effective mm. if you take them to court and you get them to – like that's how it works. I just think – I think a law would be a much better – well, also in these companies are out of the – it, the FTC's purview now. So if the FTC saw something in, anti-competitive, the FTC could step in before right. the Title II classification. I actually II had a really interesting conversation. The Title II says, all these companies are monopolies. We can't do anything about that. So we just got to, they got to obey these rules. So that's actually, that, that's the thing I'll, I'll push back on you, right? They are monopolies, right? There's Particularly the wired, wired broadband providers. You Most people only have a choice between one or two. Right, wireless providers—it's vi- it's very hard to switch between. If you regulated them all to use the same standard and have interoperable phones, hmm. and everybody bought a full-price phone, then sure, right? Then let T-Mobile zero rate a bunch of stuff, and you hate t- zero rating, you'll switch to Verizon, which doesn't have it, and you have a market. But that is at the amount of friction between these providers is very high, right? So like the average consumer can't leave. So once you once you buy in, you're you're stuck for a for period of time. A lot of people switch around all the time. I don't know about all the time. I, the, the fundamental I mean, thing that we're disagreeing on... I buy a car and then I have it for a few years and then I have to decide on a different car. Yeah, I don't think it's like that, though. I, right? I, this is an if, ongoing, necessary service in your if life. If you take Peter Thiel as yeah. Trump's lead technology advisor, in like uh, his like zero to one book, his like concept of business is that you create monopolies and then you don't... And then those monopolies don't have perfect control over the market because another monopoly comes and supplants them. And I think with like more freedom in this space, like something that Pi wants is a more uh, unlicensed spectrum. Yeah, I would love there for to be unlicensed spectrum in kind of each part of the spectrum, so that they you could have a lot more innovative products, like something in the seven hundred megahertz. Right. Um, and unlike, I'll tell you, and unlicensed allow wireless to great. compete with wired. You know, you know, FiOS competes with there's there's DSL cable and fiber in homes right now. Not every home has all of them, but most homes don't. Fairly vibrant competition, and then wait, wait, a lot of no, homes. No, 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 wait, hold on. That is just absolutely not. No statistic says there's a vibrant competition in wired broadband. Not a one. And even if there is, the speed differential between the cable monopoly and the DSL monopoly in your area is so high that you functionally only have one choice for the highest speed provider. Like that is just that's New York City. Like we well, live in you one can of the only most populated have one, zones in America. One choice for the highest speed of something. But if you only have one choice, you have de facto a monopoly and you should probably not that not let that monopoly be abusive about its pricing. I don't think wireless is going to start to compete. I, I think that's like what it comes down to for me. Well, it's not like, should we impose Title II, a specific, admittedly old regulation to allow us to do these things, right? That was the legal method that was, even though it was very slow, the most efficient for the FCC to impose these controls. I don't think people trust their providers. Ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to. We don't trust Comcast. Disclosure, Comcast Investments Company. I don't trust him as far as I can see him. Well, I don't trust. I don't trust Verizon. I don't trust AT and T. I don't trust T Mobile. Whatever, what have you, right? And there's no competition keeping them honest for me, or certainly not enough. My my problem is I don't trust five unelected people to but decide the fate by of the, the government. Internet. Do you trust 
the Secretary of State? You didn't. Well, him. I would much rather that Congress would step in. Yeah. And and create laws. I do think they've actually advised the FCC, and I think the F- FCC has gone against Congress's directive to the FCC. But I think we well, the elect- House did, not the Senate. Like the Republican House advised one thing, and the Democratic Senate at that time advised another thing. But we we elect the lawmakers to make laws. But like a regulatory agency having this much power over the internet, which is so important to our economy and to our lives is really scary to me. Five people get to like sit around and decide, I don't think that innovation is fair, but I like this innovation, you know, like it's just it's just kind of gross to me. And and there's very little recourse. If you go against like if you break a law, you get to have your day in court. If if you uh, if you go against a regulation, you're not just going against the 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 that that rule, but you have to fight the body that wrote the rule. Exe- executes the rule and, and here's the appeals on the rule. No, the laws are made by the legislature. They're executed by the executive branch, and then we have a judicial. But, b- but they branch. passed Title II, and Verizon took them to federal court. They tried right, to because do, the only way they to try fight- to do Section Seven O Two. Right. This is like ancient history in my brain. Because I felt I really thought I'd won, man. <laughs> I really <laughs> so, thought this was over. I'm sorry, but it's still uh, it's going to go on forever. It's fine. And I think these are reasonable policy debates. But Verizon took every step of this process to federal court mm. outside of it. The federal court ruled against the FCC three times and said, if you want to do this, this is the way you do it. The law, the regulation was written by Congress, and all the FCC was deciding was which part of the Communications Act would apply to the Internet. Right? right? I don't. Like and that's that, your only recourse with an agency who's creating the rules and enforcing the rules and acting as all three branches of government in one is to appeal that's a, that's a completely unfair characterization right like that is yeah, a if real you're, thing if that you're happens. Verizon you can no, afford Paul, 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 but the only game. companies we're talking about are Comcast Verizon AT&T right yeah. Paul's trying to do like government 101 so let's this is what happened Congress passed a law the Communications Act mm. the FCC was like what does this apply to the internet and Congress was like I don't know we're busy doing shutting down the government or whatever and fcc is like okay well uh that seems like uh, a hassle but maybe and then they didn't do it they didn't do it and then they did some other stuff verizon took them to court they took them to the judicial branch and the judicial branch said hey it's our job to interpret the law that congress passes and the way we interpret it is the law that congress passed gives you power to regulate the internet so if you want to regulate the internet you have to use the law that congress passed and the fcc said okay and then they did it yeah. I mean, they, they this this fight was real. It was like we covered the hell out of it. So my, I, my question is just comes down to this. You let AT&T and Verizon do whatever they want to do, which is basically what happens if you let net neutrality go away. Does the future of the Internet look better or worse? Right. Do you if you are a startup music service and you can't afford the fees Apple and Spotify pay to AT&T, if you're a startup video service and you can't afford the fees Netflix will now start paying to AT&T. How do you actually compete against Netflix, right? It's you've now allowed the giants to make more money because they can innovate however they wish, but you might have squashed the actually important innovation, which is the businesses that thrive on the internet. That to me is the scary, scary thing, right? It's a trade-off. It's a clear trade-off. We're not going to allow the teleco- the telecommunications companies to innovate at will because we think the innovation that happens on the internet is more important. 
that's and that's just a pol like we can differ on that policy choice, mm -hmm. and I think that's totally reasonable and fair. But I don't think that we're expressing it in that way very clearly. Yeah, I just I trust the the market and the businesses that got us this far uh, to do a better job of continuing to innovate and giving us you know better options and better ideas than five people nominated by any president. Right. But you know, the president nominates like a lot of people, right? Like that's, the part, FCC of, that's part of the reason that you vote these for a particular on, president on five. There's five people. Sure, and there's like the lengthy, title two was a well. I mean, party Congress line is four hundred and sixty-five. But, but like the Supreme Court is appointed by a bunch of presidents that it votes on party. Like the FCC, most of its decisions are unanimous. Like, this was not. Well, so but this one wasn't. So this is was a pretty marginal decision that has a huge theoretical impact and kind of unknowable impact because they can kind of they kind of give themselves a lot of wiggle room to continue to grow. Uh, how much they're going to necessarily govern and so how much they're going to apply. And I think that was probably the strongest and most reasonable criticism of Title II, right? Here's this law. You're saying most of it won't apply, but there's nothing from keeping you the rest of it applying. I, that's fair. But I think as this administration and Pi go after net neutrality, I think the vast majority of people on the Internet who were fired up about it are going to provide more pushback, protest, resistance, to changing it than they might be expecting. That's just my, that's what I think. I don't. I could be wrong. Everyone could be like, "Fuck it, I love zero rating because it sounds free." I think a lot of people do like zero rating. I think a lot of people are afraid of this bogeyman that was been you know passed around of you're gonna have to pay extra to be able to watch Netflix. You're gonna pay extra somehow. Yeah, Paul, right? are you, either your Netflix. You someone's prices are going up. If AT and T starts charging for access and not passing that cost to the consumer. Someone's going to pay, and the consumer will end up paying in some other way. So the, pr the cost of Netflix could go up. Y it's just hard to know. Were you pro SOPA and PIPA back in the day? Um, I wasn't super read up on them. They just seemed the thing I know. I mean, that's like that's one of that's the way the modern net neutrality fight you know kicked off five years ago is those two bills out of Congress. Uh, you know, Reddit shut blacked out its site. Wikipedia did. I think we did something to our site. We did. And it was a big fight, and that fight was over the the rules that were in those laws to try and fight piracy ended up closing a bunch of net neutrality doors, um, and it, it like it had it had very clear implications for the powers of the telecommunications industry that we didn't feel comfortable giving to them, and and so like the laws eventually got you know overturned because there was so much pushback against them, and so like this is a similar fight. It's just a different venue basically like for the time being anyway congress doesn't seem especially interested in that issue and they're doing you know which is what you know when congress passes law they ask the executive branch to execute on it and the fcc is part of the executive branch and so they're just executing on it as best they can yeah um, and the the question is like what is the method of execution that pies fcc is going to have and it's going to be radically different it looks like than wheeler's execution and so, like, what we're what we're arguing about here is net neutrality, but we're also arguing about like the the scope of like interpretation that the executive branch has when it's trying to enforce a law that Congress has handed them. And the law in this case is not very specific and not very clear and not very aware of what the modern internet looks like and acts like. Right. Look, I think this is going to keep going, and honestly, I like talking to you about it because mm. we disagree. But I think like. It's one of those things where 
it is a trade-off. And if you see both sides of the trade-off, you can have a reasonable discussion. And again, I think Ajit Pai is like, he's just such a well-respected guy. Like, I don't think he's going to blow it because he doesn't understand the issues, hmm. which is not like there, you know, Trump has appointed a lot of people and a lot of them are very controversial because people are like, what does Ben Carson know about? How? Like, you can't make that argument about pie. Like mm. he's, yeah. he's on the money and I think it's going to be really interesting what he does. Okay. I want to get off the heavy stuff for one second. I want to talk about surveillance in reality television. Have you seen hunted? You watched hunted. I, I came back to my house while it was still running an illegal stream of the football game that I had been watching. I don't know who I was <laughs> playing. <laughs> and I see these guys and they're in this war room. But it's like, this can't be real reality television. They can't be showing me an actual investigation because it has those bogus uh, like glass whiteboards that nobody actually uses in real yeah. life. yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like some guys taking money out of ATM, and I was like, "What is going right. on?" So here, like usually CBS, I will say, offers the most garbage television available. Mm. It's fact. Yeah. Hunted is probably garbage television, but if you don't know what it is, it's like a remake of a British show where they like get a bunch of players, sort of mm. like Amazing Race style, and they tell them you can, you can run around basically like Florida, Georgia, and part of Mississippi. It's like a hundred square, hundred thousand square mile area. So it's some huge part of that state, those states. Uh, they can only pull out cash from ATM in $100 increments, and they're followed by camera crews who then fake being the surveillance state, and then they have, like, a group of cops who try to chase them down, and they have to, like, stay on the run. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it makes no sense. Like, obviously, the producers, like, feeding the cops information, like, when they take money out of the ATM. Wait, they're not real cops. They are all ex-cops. Okay, ex-cops. But, but like, they're, they're not... They're not real cops. They're not in their official... But they're basically faking, like, what if our surveillance state was perfect? So, like, they take money out of the ATM, and the producer, like, calls the cop headquarters, and, like, they took the money out of the ATM, and, like, send them a Because you can't really do that. Yeah, that's, like, step one of how you Get disappear caught. is you don't take money out of ATMs. Right. So, like, they have to decide when to take money out of the ATM, because they need, obviously need some money. Hmm. And they limit them to $100, so they're forced to use ATMs, like, the game. All I'm saying is the show is bonkers. I want the virtues to cover the hell of it, because it's so nuts, and I think if I was on it, I could win. Oh, yeah? Well, What's your how plan? would you do it? I'm like, okay, here's what happened on this last episode, the first episode. Uh, one of the players is like a six foot eight baseball player, and he's on the run with his girlfriend, who's a fucking like, hot blonde model. And the cops are like, well, they'll be easy to find. <laughs> Look for the tall guy with the model. So they bought kids' wigs and put them on their heads. What? Oh, honey. Yeah, that's a fact. What? And then they went to the bus station, and they're like, oh, we need money for the bus. Should we <gasps> use the ATM? And they're like, yes. And they used it, and they got on the bus. <laughs> the cops went to the bus station, and they're like, "Did you see any tall people wearing wigs?" And they're like, "Yes." Okay, what's, what's they're on the bus to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> they, went, they just went to the bus station in Atlanta, and they got off the bus, and they caught them. Well, what's like, your strat? What's not, your strat? You just go underground, man. Just go to the woods, man. Well, like, a, like a barter economy? No, it's just like they don't know who you are. They don't know where you're going. You don't have to. You, you could just stay in one place the whole time. They would never find you. Just yeah, like if that's up. your strat, I guarantee you within four hours you'd be buying a child's wig because you're like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was so easy. I would shave my beard into a mustache. <laughs> oh, clever. Oh. No okay. one's ever seen me with a mustache. Mm -hmm. There's one photo of me on Twitter which continues to haunt By me. By the way, mustache. Uh, sorry, mustache. However the hell you said it Mus is like your 10th yuppie thing you said. A mustache. <laughs> There's one photo on me that was my Twitter avatar for a long time, which was a joke, which I believe is another argument why you should never use Twitter. 
I did the thing where I shaved and like made a goatee. Did you have a soul patch? It was like it was one of those like, hey, honey, what if I had a goatee? Like jokes, and I made it my Twitter avatar. And now, anytime anyone wants to troll me, it's like that. Can but someone I would do that. please send this to me? No, on I Twitter. Find this. Pretty it's real bad. I don't know. What would your strap be, Megan? I, by the way, I think we should all be on the show. Hmm. Honestly, I think I'd get caught really quick. I think I'd be like, ah, I know I'm supposed to be hiding and I should be in the woods, but like, I really want some Cheez-Its. I'd like go to the store and like <laughs> use my credit card. They'd be like, no, you idiot. No, okay. No. All right. I would definitely get caught when I was like selecting which Kyocera burner phone to buy. Yeah. Like, like, it would be that. I'd be like, I don't know, this one has a really bad Android build on it. Like tweeting, and it's like giving my location. Paul, would you be my haunted partner? Absolutely. Why don't you want me to be your partner? Do they have like things they have to do that takes them out in public? You just told me you get caught by Jesus. (laughs) I was gonna let you carry the team, but I guess not. I just think the game is not fair if you have to use these ATMs. You have to use the ATMs, but like the game is not fair because they're not actually surveilling you, the producers are following you. Reality show style. Right. And then choosing, according to some black box of rules, wait, wait, wait. what I have a to question. feed to the cops. Does it have to be you that uses the ATM, or could you like call your brother and be like, hey, man, I'm in a bind. Can you go to this ATM for me? And then you like arrange a trade-off. Can you cheat? Yeah, Is that cheating? Genetically, your brother's probably also 6'8", so you're just going to call. Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I feel like if you have a good network, there are ways around this. Yeah. You need, like, inside people. <laughs> I'm valuable. Let me be your team. <laughs> Fine, Megan. You're my haunted <laughs> partner. All right. I'm obsessed with this show. I don't know. What, I just wanted to bring it up because I started watching it. Same reason as Paul. I was watching football and it came on. And I was like, I guess I'm watching this now. <laughs> and it was so dumb and bad. I was like, I could definitely win the show. Yeah. That's how so also I feel about two broke girls. I'd be like, I wouldn't be a broke girl. <laughs> God, hey, Neelai. I've only been yes. on this. What football game are you watching, Neelai? I'm not telling you. <laughs> What game? What game was it? Was it was not. It was. I actually wasn't watching football. I was watching Two Broke Girls. You were watching a football game? No. Okay. <laughs> what? I love Two Broke Girls. Okay. I just want to say. Show on I just want to say. I've been on Vergecast this version twice, and you brought up the show both times. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. No. <laughs> only, only to burn CBS and to get away from Dieter. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Senior, senior week continues here at the Verge. All right. That's our show. We'll be back next week, once again in the studio. It's going to be wild again. Next week, there's like not going to be stuff here. Mm. That's so, so sad. It's all going to be in transit. It's just going to be me crying. Yeah, it's going to be. this office. Because my feet's going to be like an hour long now. <laughs> Are you going to watch Demolition Man? I might. Yeah, come back next week for the Virgin Demolition Man special. <laughs> it's going to be great. I would seriously do that show. I'm just putting it out there. I would do that show. If enough listeners tweeted us about Demolition Man this week, please don't tweet do we each, at me. Do we, wait, <laughs> do we each get to pick Megan a movie? At Megan Nicolette on Twitter. Damn she it. fucking loves Demolition underscore. Man. <laughs> she loves it the most. Paul loves tweets about net neutrality and Hunted. Mm-hmm. I like tweets about sweaty basketball shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, I think you just doomed yourself to a real shit week on Twitter. Oh, and thanks again to Grizzal, No Glare Lenses, for sponsoring us today. If you wear glasses and you have fingerprints, smudges, scratches, and glares, can be a constant obstruction to your vision and huge distraction. That's why Grizzal, No Glare Lenses, exist. They give you the clearest vision possible by offering resistance to glares, scratches, and smudges. That means no more blinding glares from headlights of oncoming traffic while driving, no more fingerprint smudges from taking your glasses on and off, no scratches from cleaning your lenses on your shirt. So look better, feel better. Most importantly, be prepared for whatever comes your way with clear vision. Please go to Grizzal.com to learn more. That's C-R-I-Z-A-L.com. Start living life in the clear with only a small surcharge from AT&T. But there's other shows to listen to, uh, many of which are much better organized than this one. Uh, for example, Lauren Good, uh, it is too embarrassed to ask. That's a great show. 
Dude, were you on it this week or on it last week? I was uh, a week or two ago on Chromebooks, yeah. Um, so that's a great show. You should listen to that. Uh, Walt and I do Control-Delete, where he, Dieter, you'd be happy to know, also repeatedly trolled me about football this week. Kara Swisher does Recode Decode, which is wonderful. And Peter Kafka does Recode Media, which is I, one of my favorite podcasts of all. All those are on iTunes. Go and rate them. Please just take a moment before you rate this particular episode of this show to consider the fact that we all had terrible senioritis. And then give us five stars. Just do it, because we're graduating. You're proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Oh, Paul is at Future Paul. Mm-hmm. Dieter is at Backlon. Megan, as I said, yeah. at Megan Nicolette. Don't forget the underscore. It's really important. Oh, there's an underscore. Some other Megan Nicolette is getting all my good tweets. <laughs> about all, she's like, what is happening to my life this week? <laughs> this is a sign. I should get uh, basketball shorts. I'm at Reckless. We'll be back next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Paul. Go Falcons. Cut through the night. Snip, snip. <laughs> <laughs>